This is Rob with episode four of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right, so today for episode four of the Folly Coffee Podcast, we are going to be talking about how to grow an Instagram following. So as it stands today, uh, which is August 20th, 2019, Folly Coffee, at Folly Coffee on Instagram, is sitting at uh, 12.6 thousand followers. Now, by no means are we an industry leader on a nationwide scale, but at a local level, considering we launched a year and roughly eight months ago, uh, I've been really happy with our growth, and it's come up enough from other businesses and other small business owners asking about how we grew our Instagram following and having enough discussions with others about it. I thought that it might warrant an episode. So today, uh, what I'm going to talk about is kind of one the strategy of Instagram, like how often to post, what to post, uh, hashtags, all the kind of the nitty gritty of strategy within Instagram. And then also once you're growing your following and once you start to have a following, how to utilize it in terms of engagement with your followers, uh, what you can do to increase engagement and how you can use it to leverage your business within kind of the B2C play uh, in connecting directly with consumers. And then on the back end, kind of what to expect that as your following grows, uh, setting realistic expectations expectations for what role a following will play within your business. Uh, Now, this could obviously apply to anything. We're in this weird world now where everybody can be their own business. And uh, it seems like at this point, everybody's got their own personal brand. And you see it more and more that especially young people, you ask them like, what is your dream career or dream goal? And like nine out of 10 times, if they're below the age of 14, their dream goal is like, I want to be a YouTuber or I want to be a, I want to be Insta famous. I want to be an influencer, which I, I'm not totally sure how I feel about that, but it's, I won't even go into into that world right now. So to start on the strategy side, so I'm going to say hypothetically, uh, you're starting a page from scratch. That being said, one of the most difficult decisions to make is that if you've been working on an Instagram page and you're not seeing a lot of engagement, you're not seeing the growth you want, you're not happy with the response to your page, it's tough to say and it's tough to do But starting from scratch might be the best idea to do. And actually just owning that and saying, hey, we're rebranding or we're refocusing. We're starting clean from scratch. If you follow us, expect bigger and better things. If you don't follow us, tell your friends. And hopefully re-strategizing and starting over can actually be the best way. Uh, This is dependent on how many followers you have, how engaged they are, the feedback you're getting, and most importantly, if the page is representing your brand, because I'm a huge advocate that an Instagram page is almost like the new website where someone hops onto your page and will browse it for a couple seconds, really, to try to get a feel for your brand as quickly as possible. So that plays into my first point within strategy is what do you want that page to convey? What is it about your business that somebody doesn't know that you want them to be able to find out quickly by going onto your page? Uh, For us at Folly, we don't have a storefront. We're a wholesale coffee roaster. This is also true for Filtera. We're a wholesale um, cold brewer. And so with Folly, because we don't have a storefront, 
it's difficult for us to engage customers on a personal level. So a lot of what we do is focused on the people behind the process, whether it's Ken roasting, uh, Jeff doing QA, uh, me really just packaging or just like out there delivering and all that good stuff. Uh, so a lot of ours has to do with who we are and what we do on a weekly basis to give a personal connection so that people can see behind the veil of just, hey, guess what? It's not just this bag of coffee on the grocery store shelf, or it's not just a cup of coffee that you're getting at your uh, local coffee shop, that it's a lot of hard work and passion that goes into it. Uh, one thing I think is getting really, really overemphasized on Instagram is like how pretty it is. There are some people that do it really, really well, and they gain a following simply because their aesthetic is so appealing that it's like almost just nice to look at. It differs depending on the type of page you want to have. I will say that because we are a product page, we are a brand page, whatever you want to call it, uh, this is not highly effective for us because just being bombarded with pictures of pretty packaging and pretty scenes isn't a great way to tell your story. However, I think the one caveat to this rule is that you, if you do have a brick and mortar location, so if your focus is driving people into your cafe, driving them into your storefront, driving them to the place that you want them to go, this can be more effective because when they get bombarded with these awesome, beautiful, consistent pictures, and then they go to your page and everything's gorgeous, it makes them want to go to that place. Versus a product, this can be a more hit or miss strategy unless that's a big part of your brand. I almost compare it to like, <laughs> you see the, uh, the perfume commercials? Like perfume and cologne commercials are the most confusing thing in the world to me. But I mean, they have to work if they're still spending millions and millions of dollars where it's like, open scene shirtless guy running in a desert and it's hot and then there's an oasis but then the oasis is gone and then chanel number five like that's that's what these really pretty instagram pages are to me where it's like it's cool to look at it's fun to watch but at the end of it you're like wait what am i watching anyway what really is this so it can work well for storefronts but not every time for products. It can be a little bit confusing. And so I like to use our posts and our stories to try to show a little bit about who we are and what we do. So every post we have, I try to keep it within that. Now, sometimes I'll just post it because I think it looks cool and there is a time and place for that. But I try not to have that be every post. And that brings me into my next, po uh, my next point is don't post just to post. There's a very, very fine balance. So this goes into what to post and how often to post. There's a very fine balance between staying engaged and posting every day versus posting just to post. I would much rather miss a day of posting than post something that doesn't do anything for someone looking at it. And I do recommend that the goal is to post something every day. And the next question that usually follows up is when should I post it? That one is a lot more trial and error on my end. What, I, what I've had success with is posting at various times through each, each weekday and each weekend. But I, what I try to think is like, when would I be checking Instagram? If it's Monday through Friday and you, you know, the desk job, when would someone uh, working their normal job be checking Instagram? 
Maybe it's right when they get home from work. Maybe it's during the lunch break. Maybe it's after the lunch break when you're too full and you're just trying to waste some time in the afternoon. On the weekends, is it you're sleeping in? I, I really like uh, late morning posts on the weekends so that someone wakes up to it having just been posted. This changes pretty rapidly because Instagram consistently changes the way that you see content, which is really frustrating. Back in the day, it was completely chronological. So in whatever order someone posted something, that's when you saw it. I greatly preferred that way because it it made more sense. Now they post it in the order of things that you engage with. Uh, So the things that you're engaging with more, if you're liking something, commenting, watching their stories more, you're more likely to see their posts. And they're trying to, it's, it, it constantly changes. Uh, so the posts can get a little bit muddled in terms of when you post them. And that has lost as much importance of when to post in the day as much as just being sure that you are posting at least every day. I think it's better to err on the too much posting versus not posting enough. Because I think worst case scenario, someone goes, this company is just really engaged as opposed to not posting enough. It's like, oh, if you don't even care enough to stay engaged with your own business, you lose interest of customers quickly. So, uh, so, so far, it's kind of determining what the strategy, the kind of goal of your page, uh, what is it about your business that you want people to know and try to keep it circulating around that nucleus that the things you're posting all revolve around a small set of ideas. Uh, it helps to keep it focused and helps you answer the question of should I post this or not? How often to post, I recommend at least once per day, but only posting if it's something of value. Don't post every day just because you think you have to. Post uh, value the quality of the post over the quantity of the post. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of goes on to the post. And then how to post. So how do I get people to see the thing that I've posted. Now, obviously, having a larger following will increase your engagement. The more likes you have on a photo, the more likely it is to end up in the top posts for a certain hashtag, depending on whatever you hashtag it. So it is really important which hashtags you use with each picture. Now, what I like to do is they allow up to 12 hashtags per post. And what I like to do is 12 hashtags can be really cumbersome and look not great when you're posting it under every post. And so what I'll do is I'll post with two or three of the most relevant hashtags to that post. Let's say, for example, I wake up and make a uh, a Costa Rica, which is the current bean in our winer. Let's say I make a winer pour over on the V60 Uh, cup of coffee, and the post is a picture of that process. I might use two or three hashtags like hashtag pour over coffee, hashtag Costa Rica, um, hashtag let's just say specialty coffee. So those are three super relevant exactly to the post. But then in the comments, I will have up to those 12 hashtags. And the strategy I like to take in the hashtags I use in the comments is small, medium, large. I'm going to use hashtags that are used a very small amount, meaning that you have a higher chance that someone that uses it or searches it will find your post. I'm going to use a hashtag that's been used a medium amount of times. Uh, It's kind of a balance between having a more niche one that somebody might be more likely to find because fewer people have posted. 
and then I'm going to use a largely followed hashtag so that if I can get that one into the top post, there'd be a high number of people that are searching it, engaging with it. Uh, getting into the top post is a great way to get people, new people engaged with your page. Uh, and as people are searching for different hashtags that you're more likely to show up when they search it. And so for example, uh, speaking to the hashtags I used earlier, so hashtag Costa Rica, the way to figure out how many times a post is used or a hashtag is used is you go into the comments, simply type out the hashtag and in real time, it will tell you how many people have uh, used that hashtag uh, recently. So if I go in and type hashtag Costa Rica, I can see that 11 million people have used that post or have used that hashtag. That's a really high number of people. So I'm going to put that in my large number of people. Now, if I go back and type in hashtag pour over, it's going to say that pour over brew, that's a thousand plus. So pour over brew might be a really good one to use on the smaller side. It's a lower likelihood that someone's going to be searching it because it's only been hashtag a thousand times. But because it's so niche, you're only competing with a thousand other posts that use the hashtag pour over brew. As opposed to if I use pour overs, it's going to be 5,000 plus posts. And you can kind of see how this goes. Uh, so you, it's up to you to kind of define what a small, medium, large number of uh, uses is for these hashtags. But go in and out of those 12, have them do a full range of that like really small amount of posts, you know, the thousand, even like a hundred, if you've got something hyper specialized and local, uh, use small, medium and large posts to try to engage. These can also be geographically focused. I always try to include something about the fact that we're Minnesota roasted, whether it be the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, or just Minnesota roasted. That's another one that is a very, very small uh, amount of hashtags being used, but if someone searches it, we're going to be on that short list of posts uh, that are a part of that hashtag. So, in uh, like I said, post once a day, relevant material or re relevant posts to your customers that say who you are as a company, and then after you post, go into your comments and do up to twelve hashtags, ranging from size from small, medium, and large. Cool. So at this point, we've defined your page identity, what you want to communicate. It's different for a storefront versus a product or a brand. Uh, brand how often to post. Don't just post to post. I cannot say this enough. Uh, people are very intuitive and smart, and they eventually will just see this company is just posting just a blast of content out in front of me, and you will get unfollowed. On to the next thing is... Oh man, I must need like the nicest high-end video camera and digital camera with photo studio if I'm going to be able to do this well. Now, having those things can take a page to a next level because having extremely high quality uh, visuals can be a great way to engage. But if that's not one of your core competencies, so... If I'm not, personally, I don't come from a digital background and I know that even if I spent all the money on those things, I just would still have too much learning to do about editing, about all these different things to be able to make the post really pop from just a visual standpoint. 
and that's the cool thing about these supercomputers in our pockets. The cameras have gotten really, really dang good. And if you have an old phone that doesn't have a great camera, you could either try to upgrade the phone or highly recommend going to Best Buy and looking for open box deals for a high quality digital camera. It's a great way to find an awesome deal. That's, that's how I started. So when, when I launched Folly, my camera phone was pretty terrible. And so I went to Best Buy, found an open box camera. It was something like, I think 16 megapixels. Does that sound good? Took great pictures, super easy to use. And then download the Photoshop Express app. It's by far the easiest way to just kind of uh, not. Now, Photoshop has a really negative connotation in the sense that when people refer to Photoshopping something, it's usually someone trying to make themselves look better. But for the sake of taking pictures for your business, the most common things I use on the Photoshop app are high exposure, high contrast. Exposure turns up the overall light in the picture. And then contrast, just exactly like it sounds, turns up the contrast between colors. And it can take a nice picture taken on your phone and just give it a little extra pop. So that as you do that, people just really seem to engage more with high exposure, high contrast photos. And that's in the Photoshop Express app. It's totally free. Alrighty, so now you've got your page, you've got your strategy, you're posting every day, you're commenting your 12 hashtags on each post, uh, you're experimenting on posting at different times of the day to see if you get more engagement one way or another. Uh, and then the last thing I will say is that as people are liking it or uh, commenting, be sure to engage everyone that's messaging you or commenting, even if it's just a thumbs up. But try to engage on a personal level uh, because that person will be more likely to engage in the future. Plus, it's an awesome way for them to learn about the brand and it gives it a more personal feel. Uh, if we get any comments or inquiries, I always want to respond to show them that's like, no, we're not like this is some random brand making coffee. It's like it's it's a small group of three people that care a lot about specialty coffee. And if you took the time out of your day, even if it's just a few seconds to comment on it, we want to make sure that we're doing the same for you. So now on to kind of strategy. Now that you've got all these things in place and when in doubt, go to other pages that you like, see what they're doing and try not to immediately go to the people with a million followers. Because at this point in time, Instagram has so, so many users that people with a million followers have probably been at it for a long, long time or are you know, like famous in some way. And so if you're looking at someone with a million plus followers, there's probably some piece of the puzzle that you're not going to have as a small business. And it's going to be really frustrating if you're doing exactly what they do, but you're not gaining followers. There's probably something else going on there that either you don't know about or they've been doing it way longer before Instagram had such a saturation of followers. So I like to go to pages uh, of like this kind of smaller size followings, like the, the 5, 10, 15, 20,000 followers that are highly engaged and brands that people are passionate about or businesses that people are passionate about. This way you can see what they're doing and it's a much more realistic picture about what you can do with a shoestring budget, with, with limited resources, without a professional photographer, without all these things that a million plus follower people are utilizing to be able to uh, effectively grow your Instagram following. And so these are the steps that I took after having all these things in place, having an idea of what I wanted to focus on in the posts, not worrying over the top about does the overall feel of the page, does it all is it all the same color scheme and really just making sure that when you go to our page, you know that we are obsessed with roasting the best coffee that you'll drink. 
that we like to have fun. We don't take ourselves seriously in it. And not from like a, like a, oh, corporate, like, oh, we're fun. But like, we literally legitimately enjoy doing this. And so trying to be authentic, people are getting better and better at sniffing out authenticity. And we've all seen it before when like massive companies try to like flossing the dance right now. All of a sudden it's in every single commercial you can find. You're like, okay, first of all, six months too late. Second of all, it's like, we know you're doing this just because enough people have done it that now it's relevant enough to include in your multinational advertising campaign. Authenticity is hard to come by. And when people find it, they want to latch onto it. So make sure whatever you're doing, that it's authentic to you. It's authentic to your business, authentic to your product. So with all these things in place, here are the steps that I took to grow the Folly Instagram to the position that we're at. Now, if you haven't already at this point, follow us at Folly Coffee, F-O-L-L-Y Coffee on Instagram. Seriously, this is really relevant to the first step because the first step of launching your Instagram page or relaunching is bag. Friends and family. Friends and family, beg everyone you know personally, anyone that you you interact with on a daily basis, be that person. At this point in launching an Instagram, this it could potentially be the biggest way of interacting with customers and communicating your message. And so throw pride and shame out the window when it comes to this. It's like, oh, I don't want to be that guy that's always talking about this. It's like, but... If I can get someone to follow it by just at the very end, hey, by the way, launch the page. I know this is annoying. Could you go follow it? We're trying to get the word out. If you could even just tag anyone or get other people to follow, it would be so hugely appreciated. Go to friends and family and just say, please, please follow us. Please share. And that is like the first step. You want to get your friends and family because they know you. They know what you're doing. They know that you're passionate about it. And What's a better way to start a page? Would you rather have your first followers be strangers that have absolutely no idea who you are, what you're doing, and their judgments are going to be completely from left field? Or would you rather have your first group of followers be friends and family that are much, much more likely to like your posts, that are much more likely to comment on them, to overall be positive? Because the internet is a weird place that is like the the best side of the world and the worst side of the world. So if you can, at the beginning... Surround yourself with people that are going to be extremely positive about what you're posting and what you're messaging. I think that is a great thing to have. So for many reasons, the first step in building your following is just go out and beg friends and family. Post every single day on your personal Facebook, on your personal Instagram, your personal feeds, whatever you may do. Drive people to your Instagram page. Get them to follow it. That's going to be the best way to start. You're going to have a highly engaged, positive community of friends and family. And this took me a while to uh, kind of grasp because it's 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 a it's definitely a pride thing where you're going. Well, I don't I don't want all my followers to just be friends and family because that's like it's almost like fake because it's it's not real customers. But then I realized that's like, hey, if my friends and family are buying our coffee and then they actually really like it and then they buy it again, that is a customer. Someone can be both. It's not this mutually exclusive relationship. And so once I figured that out and I was like, oh, wait, our best customers and our most engaged customers are close friends and family, especially when you're starting small. That uh, the, the sooner I realized that, the better it became. 
And then the next step after that, so you've begged friends and family, everybody you know is at least aware of your page and and you've begged them to go like it. You've uh, followed them back. Now, that's, that's another thing is a lot of people will kind of hyper-focused on the, on, on the ratio of the people you follow versus the number of followers you have. In the early stages of an Instagram, I will say this ratio, don't worry about it because I would rather follow someone and that's the first time they see Folly Coffee pop up on their feed is because we requested to follow them and whether they follow back or not. I'd say later in time, you can kind of search your list of who's not following you, who don't you want to follow, and decide later if you want to unfollow people. But the ratio early on is like, what would you rather have? And this is really the question that it comes down to. Would you rather have 3,000 followers and you also follow 2,500 people? Or would you rather follow 300 people or that you have 300 people follow you and you only follow 10 people. It's like, yeah, the ratio is better for the second one, but you only have 300 people that you could potentially engage. Early on, it's another thing of going to pride. Once you realize that that's not incredibly important, especially when your page is small and your business is fresh, I say follow everyone that's relevant to your industry and your category because when someone follows someone, it gives them recommended pages to follow. And if all of these people are following you and you're following them, you're much more likely to show up on these recommended pages to follow. And that can be a huge way to engage, whether it's a local geographical um, local geographical area of people to follow you or a relevant industry. So I was sure to go out and follow every high-end specialty coffee roaster that I could think of that I've drank and enjoyed, go out and follow industry professionals, all the leading publications, Barista Magazine, Daily Coffee News, Roast Magazine, uh, Sprudge, all of these different coffee publications so that as people go to follow them, we might pop up on their suggested list of people to follow. So uh, friends and family, beg, uh, go around, Follow as many relevant people. And this is also a great way to keep tabs on the industry is if your feed is 100%. So for our, for the sake of uh, this being the Folly Coffee page, uh, my feed is entirely coffee stuff. And it's actually kind of fun every once in a while to go through and look at all these different things happening in the coffee industry and see how other people are approaching it. So after you've uh, exhausted friends and family, you're going out and following uh, the next step that we took uh, that worked out really nicely is looking up all the most relevant local influencers within our category. So with us, it, it would essentially be foodies. Uh, there are, at this point, which is crazy, there are coffee-specific influencers. So those definitely are on the list. But basically anyone that valued high-quality taste, high-quality food, locally sourced food, beverage, uh, I found a list of 50 influencers and all I did was message them and just didn't try to make ourselves seem bigger than we were. This goes back to authenticity. When Try not to stretch the truth about where you're at in your business. The message I sent to like 50 local influencers was just, hey, I'm starting a brand new coffee roasting business. We roast single origin high-end coffees. We roast it locally in Minnesota. I would love to send you a bag to get your feedback on. It would be awesome if you could post about it, but at this point, I'm really just trying to get people to taste my coffee. 
And I would say out of those 50, probably 30, 35 responded that they're interested. And so I sent out coffee to 35 different people with the expectation that I just want to get feedback because all of these foodies within their friend groups, within the Twin Cities, within Minnesota, people follow them for recommendations and they definitely ask them over time, like, what is your favorite coffee roaster? What's your favorite coffee you've had? Or which coffees do you like? And if they've never tasted your coffee, it doesn't matter if they've seen your brand, you're never going to be on that list. So getting people to try your product, to taste your product, whatever it may be, it's tough when you're small with a limited budget, but giving out free product to local influencers and people who are respected about their opinions is critical. And so this is definitely the next step I recommend. The the, the kind of back end of this is you can't demand that they post about your stuff. Because this is what they do sometimes for a living. The amount of time and effort that's put into these curated pages is a lot. And for you to come in as a new business and say, I gave you product, now post. That's It's pretty rude, actually. And so with this, you can just like say, I would appreciate if you posted. We're trying to get the word out. But really, I am looking for feedback on the product, which is should be the truth. At this point, you want like experts opinion on your product. Now out of these like 30, 35 bags that I sent out, everybody's willing to give feedback for sure. And you know, I don't even remember how many we got, but you know, if 10 people posted about it on their story, that's going to be a way, way more effective way to use your limited resources than try to like advertise. Don't advertise early on. If you don't have a high amount of distribution or if you don't, if you're early on, I would avoid uh, digital advertising spends or traditional ad spends in most cases. Uh, there are exceptions. B2B advertising is interesting. So if you're at, if you do B2B sales, there, there are more specific channels to kind of be more effective in that. But I say w- generally avoid that and think of the money that you are willing to spend on that ad. And is there a way to take that same amount of product? And when you look at your own cogs, so your cost of goods sold. So when I'm looking at this coffee bag, I'm going, I know how much this costs cost to produce. If I was willing to spend $100 on this ad, what could I do with the same amount of coffee to spread the word about what we're doing? So that's how I feel about that. The next thing we did, and this was a little bit out of the box, but this ended up being one of the most effective things we did within our first year to be able to grow our following, is uh, we did a social media specific event. So it was invite only. We took that list of people that responded that we sent coffee to, and I partnered up with a local donut company run by my boy Bradley, uh, Stewed Nuts, now The Donut Trap, which I love the rebrand. The Donut Trap's excellent. He makes these absolutely killer donuts. And then we also partnered with Maza chutney and at this local brewery lynn lake they use our coffee and some of their beer uh, seasonal beers or really just like a rotating series uh they have an amazing space in uptown in minneapolis so what we did is we hosted it at lynn lake brewery uh we did a coffee beer on tap i had cold brew on tap and hot coffee bradley was handing out samples of his donuts and maza chutney was doing uh samples of their chutney and all we did was reach out to all these social media influencers we know and say, hey, we're doing an invite-only event. You can have a plus one. 
uh, it's going to be a, a chance to sample four different local business within food and beverage, which is something we know you're passionate about. And we ended up having about 40 people attend, which was awesome. And so be sure if you do this that you take care of the people that are coming because they're taking time out of their day. Uh, they're going to potentially promote your business. Make sure that they come and they enjoy themselves. So we had a free mug for everybody that attended. Obviously, free cold brew, hot coffee, donuts, chutney, uh, beer on tap. Uh, all of this was covered for them. Make sure that it's a fun event, that there's some music going on in the background, that it's not like purely a business meeting. Like, okay, take pictures here, but also have an idea of where somebody might take a picture. Maybe have a pre-set up area to be able to take pictures uh, of all the different products in one area. This was, this was an awesome way not only to kind of generate content and get the word out, but it, we also were able to personally meet a lot of these people that up to that point were just a face on a screen. And that really changes the dynamic of how you work together and potentially work together in the future. Uh, and what we got out of that was not only exposure on the Instagram side, we were able to uh, build some followers and continued posts using the pictures from that event. It was a great way to just meet people and get their feedback on our brands and on the taste of our products, which was uh, really awesome. And then the next one, uh, this is something, it doesn't matter how small you are, it doesn't matter how big you are uh, in terms of your following, but giveaways. There is a right way to do them. There is a wrong way to do them. Uh, if you, I shouldn't say that, but in my mind, I'm, I'm, I try to be very strategic about giveaways. I think the wrong way to do it is just doing it to get likes. You know, have a goal in mind with a giveaway why you're doing it. It should make sense. The products you're giving away, the timing that you're doing it, try to use it to promote something. It, this going back to the don't post just to post don't give away just to give away so the the best way to do it in my opinion is that if you're starting and you're small what you can offer is to partner with another larger brand and go to them with a proposition and again being totally clear and transparent and saying i have a very small following my goal for this giveaway is to increase our following. And because I don't add a lot of value in this giveaway, because I have a small following, I'm willing to give, I'm willing to put forward a much better prize for this giveaway, a higher value prize. Uh, if you're willing to partner up on this and partner in this giveaway. So if I'm a, if uh, I'm a larger company and I've got uh, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 plus following and somebody with like 500 followers approaches me, but they're willing to give me a really good prize to give away for the smaller company, the obvious benefit is that they're going to get great exposure from the larger company. Uh, the larger following company is going to benefit by having a great prize to give away. And obviously it goes down to if you have a better prize or more prizes, you're going to get more engagement. So my favorite way to do it is you just like have a short list of rules. Hey, you must be following our company. You must be following this company and then comment with two of your friends tagged below about like why you want to win this prize or something like that. So what this does is uh, it helps gain the following of both companies uh, more so the smaller one, the prize is good. So people are more likely to engage. They're going to comment. Uh, and then they're going to tag two other people who maybe aren't followers and you can see how this would have a great effect. And obviously if you're looking at it from the flip side of this, if you're a larger company 
and someone does approach you about doing a giveaway, I don't think it's a ridiculous question to ask of someone to say like, hey, because we have a larger following that we've worked hard on, would you be willing to put in X, Y, or Z uh, in relation to what we put into the giveaway because of the proportional difference? I think it's a totally reasonable request. Uh, And then I'm just a believer that it's like, Everybody working together to grow is the best way to do it. And so I am never one to shy away from a giveaway. Uh, so for example, uh, I've got one that I'm going to launch this Thursday. Today is Tuesday. And so the way we're going to do it is I'm partnering with a local granola company, Gustola Granola. Uh, Angie runs that company. It's awesome, awesome granola. The branding is killer. And she came to me and said, hey, we've got a small following. I'm curious to pick your brain about growing an Instagram following and giveaway. It was just obviously the first thing that was like, we can do this and rock it out really fast. And as a way to engage people leading up to the giveaway, I did a survey on our Instagram story. Hey, would you prefer to have for a giveaway one big prize or multiple small prizes to increase your chances of winning? And it was resounding over 75% responded on the story and said, we prefer multiple small prizes. So what we're doing is we're doing uh, 10 uh, packages, breakfast packages, one uh, package of granola, one package of coffee. Uh, and if you tag two friends in the comments and say why you're the breakfast champion and follow both pages, you're automatically entered. And then after four days, I try to keep it short so the engagement is high and intense and there's a sense of urgency behind entering. Then after four days, I use a random number generator to select a winner. And please actually make it be random Sometimes it's way too obvious that these giveaways aren't random and it might not seem like that big of a deal that you picked your person that you kind of knew or whatever, but over time people will sniff this out and your engagement could go down and the authenticity of what you're doing could be hurt. So actually use a random number generator. Uh, And so you'll see this as like a complete example of I try to engage our customer base, our followers by posting a story about it. This lets people know that there will be a giveaway happening. It helps us tailor the giveaway to what they prefer. And then we can kind of hype it up going into it. And they hopefully are more engaged because they know that's like, oh, we actually voted for this. We wanted more small prizes so that I have a higher chance to win a smaller prize versus one single prize with a low likelihood of winning. Cool. So... Those are kind of the major steps that we took. Now, there's a lot of other factors that go into it. Some of it is luck. Some of it is just exposure through other channels like traditional media. We were very fortunate to be early on featured in City Pages, which gave us a nice boost in our following. Uh, We won a good food award for one of the top 15 coffees in the country in 2019. Uh, That seemed to time up really when we had another boost in our following. And at this point, it's kind of like, you're just trying to see what's happening and why might you have a big boost in followers. Uh, Daily Coffee News covered us. That definitely helped. And it's there are events that happen outside of your control that can also give you a big boost. Uh, but it's the daily grind, the uh, posting every day, being engaged, keeping things relevant. And then the last, the, I'm going to wrap up on two things. One will be kind of the use of stories and how those uh, work. And then uh, kind of a, a last, more concrete strategy that I read about recently. Uh, not even, not recently, it's been a couple of years now, but that, that I implement, especially early on in our Instagram. So 
stories now are becoming more and more important on Instagram because the posts now have these weird algorithms affecting how and when you see them. Uh, people are more and more likely to follow hundreds to thousands of people on their Instagram. There's no physical way to absorb all that content if you're uh, following a thousand people. And so the stories becomes a great way on a daily basis to be able to engage. And the stories, I think, can be a lot less uh, kind of thought out in terms of uh, like make sure it's like high contrast, high exposure. And I just like to use any moment where we're doing something like relevant to the business or I think is something cool or cool announcement. That's a great place to use it. Utilize the polls. Ask people questions. It's one of the best ways that I learn about the business is just ask questions to see the responses you get. Uh, so stories is a great one to promote giveaways too. So when you're doing that, be sure you're posting about it in the stories because that's more likely to drive people to the post to be able to engage in these giveaways. Whew. And then the last thing here, uh, Gary V, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's, he's a pretty polarizing figure. He is definitely animated. He's like beyond 10 times everything I just said, posting like 10, 10 times a day, multiple stories every single day. And, but he's got an insane following to show for it. Uh, and give or take that strategy. But he has this thing called the dollar, dollar 80, dollar 90 strategy, uh, that I, I thought was really cool. And I utilized early on. The idea is like, how can I give my 10 cents and have it be uh, an effective use of my time. And so this is his recommendation for increasing your following uh, is look up the top 10 relevant hashtags uh, that are relevant to your page. And once you've found the top 10 relevant hashtags, go into the top nine posts, top eight or nine for each hashtag and leave a comment about your opinion. Do not leave in a comment that's like thumbs up emoji you know, the two hands to the air emoji, because that's not going to, nobody's going to see that and say, I want to go check out that commenter. Leave your uh, actual insight or opinion on the post. And over time, you'll see why. So the reason it's called the $1.80 strategy is if you go to the top 10 posts or top 10 hashtags and uh, comment on the top eight relevant posts, your 10 cents per post, it's the $1.80 strategy. This takes some serious time. But this can build your credibility as a page that if you're posting great opinions, your take on a post, uh, over time, people uh, will start to recognize your name and go to your page. And that can also help really establish your credibility. And when you're small, anything like this is a great way to get the name out there. And then the last thing goes back to begging here. I know I've said the last thing, but the last like four things, just like kind of a miscellaneous thing here is put your handle on everything. I mean like business card, packaging, uh, bottom of your email address is a big one because you're emailing people back and forth. Put your handle on, on, the, on the signature so that anyone you're responding to sees that handle. Uh, if you're, if you're on LinkedIn, post it on your LinkedIn bio, make sure that anywhere somebody goes, they know that your focus is Instagram and that you want them to follow you. Cool. So that is how to build an Instagram following. 
This is our tried and true way. This isn't speculation. This is the way we were able to build our following to 12.6 thousand followers. Like I said, I know that isn't like some nation leading industry, but it's been really great for us to be able to build credibility to small business. So if you were here just to listen to how to build an Instagram following, you can leave now. Uh, You can sign off uh, because this is the last I'll talk of that. But What I'm going to be talking about for the last 10, 15 minutes here will be kind of what you can expect with a larger following, because I think there are some big misconceptions about what to expect with a large following. The biggest misconception I see is that larger following automatically means increased sales, especially if you are a a direct B2C business. So like we have our online store, you can order Folly Coffee directly from follycoffee.com. Larger following has helped us increase our online sales, but it's not to the degree that people would expect with the size of our following. And this goes back to like, the engagement side. So having a large following doesn't automatically increase your sales, especially depending on the product you have. So don't increase your following with the pure expectation that this is going to automatically increase your online sales. It will help, but I just recently read a story about uh, an influencer with a 1.2 million follower base. So she had a following base of 1.2 million followers. Posts on her story says, I'm going to launch a line of t-shirts. Would you all be interested in doing this in buying a t-shirt? Thousands of responses. Heck yes. Best thing ever. Goes through the whole process of designing a t-shirt hiring a professional designer, getting the logo work done, getting the design for the t-shirt done, uh, hiring a professional photographer to, they print the t-shirt, they do a full, uh, photography session to professionally be able to show the t-shirt, uh, product photography. And uh, the company they're working with says you need a minimum order of 32 shirts. Once you're past 32, you can order however many you like launches the product, the t-shirt, can't get to 32 t-shirts. Now, 1.2 million followers. That is absolute insanity to me. And so having a larger following will not automatically increase your sales if you don't have a highly engaged customer base and you're not giving them a compelling reason to buy your product. So that's the goal of our page is we have seen online sales increase But if your whole thought is that like, if I put this much time in, I'm going to get X amount of dollars out in product sales, it's not a great way to think about it. The biggest value that having a large following has helped us as a business is establish our credibility. And so it's super easy now when you're walking the stores or you're perusing online and you see something pop up or you're walking the stores and you see a new item on the shelf. It used to be you're just going to read the label. You're going to sit there, read the back of the package for a while. That's going to be how you're going to determine. Now people will read the label, read the package, and then go on their phone and look up the company, whether it's the websites. Your website needs to be on point. But now, more often than not, it's going to be Instagram. And so they go to your Instagram page, and that's where that two to three seconds of them getting an idea of who you are. But even just having a larger following goes, oh, okay, 
this is like this is like a legit business <laughs> or like a product I can trust. Now I don't know if that's right or wrong. It feels kind of weird that someone's gonna judge your product based on a following, but more often than not, it will convince someone to buy it. It may not necessarily stop someone from buying it, but it is a great way to get someone to buy it. And then on the retail side is if you're selling B2B, other people will do their due diligence on your company. And part of that may be to look up your social media page. And if you have a larger following, they may be more inclined to work with you. At least that's been our experience is more people, uh, people are more willing to meet based on that. And just, uh, it kind of rounds out our credibility as a business in conjunction with some of the awards and accolades we've been able to collect over our year and eight months. Uh, but that has been of a great help to us. And then the last thing is it does not require a large following to show that you are working hard and you're engaged on your Instagram. Uh, this is a weird phenomenon that someone brought up to me recently and I realized I was doing it without even thinking about it is anytime you're, you're thinking of buying something or looking at something and you go to their page and they haven't posted in like three weeks, my first thought is like, oh, are they like not in business anymore? Or you know, what's going on with that? And so even with like only your friends and family following. If someone goes on there and sees you're posting every day, you've got a story that they can look at right away. Even if you don't have a big following, it's a great way to show that you're working hard, that you're engaged, that it's a passionate, like independently owned small business or brand. And if all of this sounds like way too much work, which like, don't get me, it's a lot of work. Uh, one hack I use to be able to do it effectively is I, anytime there's a photographic moment is take a bunch of pictures of different things going on. You can post those throughout the week to help save time on the spot. But if all of this sounds just like an insane amount of work for something that you're not pumped about doing, or you don't think you can do it or don't have the expertise even to be able to take a nice photo you can find someone that does. There are a, a lot of students are amazing at this. This is one of those weird things where being younger and inexperienced does is not a disadvantage because uh, younger people have grown up with this technology. They know Instagram like the back of their hand. They know exactly how to utilize hashtags. They know how to search for hashtags. They know which followers are influential. They know all the local influencers. So you can find someone with relatively little experience that might potentially be looking to build uh, their resume. And this is something they could do almost as a side hustle while still going to school. Uh, some people I've heard doing this as an unpaid internship as a pure resume builder in the sense that I, I will write you a letter of recommendation if this is done effectively. And with a small following on a page, that person can show I took this page from this followers, uh, this number of followers to this number of followers and be very confident they were the ones that did it. Whereas working for a larger company, if you do an internship with a larger company and you start and they have 20,000 followers and you leave three, four months later and they have 21,000 followers, it's pretty hard to say if that was you or not. Uh, so with a small company, they can have more control, which is the scary part. So if you're going to do this, make sure you're comfortable with somebody else controlling your page with very, very set brand standards on what the post should pertain to, uh, the communication, uh, the the messaging, how to communicate, the language they can use uh, in doing that. Now, I am personally of the thought that unpaid internships are not awesome. Uh, I did one and it just ruined 
my entire perception of the value of an unpaid internship. It feels dirty to me. And so it, I, I recommend compensating someone from their time, whatever you can afford uh, in doing this. I highly recommend making sure that you're paying people if they're doing good work for you. So th- that is a great way if all of this sounds intimidating or you're like, I'm already I'm too busy for this. Instagram, get out of here. Find someone that's passionate about it, that would enjoy doing it, that there's value added to them on the resume side. Pay them what you can, but this is something that can pay dividends years down the road uh, in building your brand. And it can also give you a better idea of what your brand is through engagement with customers. So like I said, I'm by no means an expert on this, but I think sometimes hearing from someone who doesn't come from this background, who doesn't have expertise can be of benefit because it can show you that, like, hey, if I can do this from just learning on the fly of uh, how to try to grow, uh, potentially it could work for someone else too. Uh, like I always say, uh, I'd love to hear any questions on this or even if you've had ways that have worked for growth for you that haven't been mentioned, I would absolutely love to hear anything because I am definitely still learning and any tips and tricks you may have on growing a highly engaged Instagram following would be greatly appreciated. So that is it for episode four of the Folly Coffee podcast, how to grow your Instagram. I hope you took some value out of this uh, and have a great day.